Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that I've grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. An outstanding guest lined up for you this week. Michael Lombardi, former general manager and three-time Super Bowl winning executive with the New England Patriots, San Francisco 49ers, Oakland Raiders, and Cleveland Browns. He's the host of the GM Shuffle podcast. He's the author of the Daily Coach newsletter. And he's got a new book out called Football Done Right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. Michael is one of these guys that sees around corners. He takes us through the evolution of the NFL to this point. He tells us what may be to come in the future, how the game may be played, uh, the way to structure front offices. Really interesting insight from someone who has sat in that chair before. Um, Michael Lombardi, you're going to love his book, but you're going to love our conversation today. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing awesome. And yeah, Lombardi, uh, a wealth of knowledge. I like how you said he sees around corners. He kind of knows uh, what's up, what's coming. I love his take when you ask him about the future of the NFL. That's a great, uh, great take on what he thinks, how it's going to develop and how it's going to change. So that's pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, he just, he knows the game. He's had the experience. He's writing books. He's on podcasts. He's, uh, he's a fun guy to talk to. So a good interview today. I mean, we have a lot of big name guests on this show. It's funny, some of my buddies who are diehard NFL fans, they absolutely love Michael Lombardi. Like, they're so excited that yeah. he's on the show this week. They listen to his podcast all the time. They're excited about his new book. Like, with NFL fans, Michael Lombardi is a household name. Mm-hmm. So um, if you haven't heard of him before, you're going to hear from him today. And then hopefully you're going to read his book and listen to his podcast. But just super insightful. Sees the NFL in a way that most people don't, again, because he's worked in those front offices. He's worked with Bill Belichick and Bill Walsh and some just legendary, iconic coaches. All right, let's look at some headlines before we get to the Michael Lombardi interview. Headline number one, Griggs, you knew this was a matter of time. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, they restructure his deal. As we discussed last week on the show, you've got all these record-setting contracts with Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, those were all done in the last six months. Well, I think it's a pretty general consensus in the NFL. The top quarterback in the league is Patrick Mahomes. So I guarantee you his agent went to the Chiefs and said, eh, 
we can't have our guy being the fifth highest paid quarterback in the NFL. If you look at who's winning Super Bowls, who's going to the AFC Conference Championship, like it's Patrick Mahomes. He's got to be at the top of the list. So they restructured his money and pushed a lot of his money from his previous deal forward. So Griggs, here's his payouts for the next four years. This is the most amount of money that a player will make in a four-year span in the history of the NFL. So this year, $56.85 million. He's already been paid $35.5 million as part of his previous deal. Next year, 2024, $44.5 million. 2025, $50 million. 2026, $56.76 million. So once again, Patrick Mahomes reigns supreme as the top earner. So now if you want to keep track, I always find this funny too. Here's payouts for these quarterbacks between 2023 and 2026. So the next four years, Mahomes, $208.1 million. <laughs> now, why is that important? Because Lamar Jackson got $208 million. So you had to have the point one so that Patrick could be on the top of the mountain again. Joe Burrow, $181.7 million. Justin Herbert, 157.7 Jalen Hurts 157.3 so Herbert had the top Hurts by what $400,000 so anytime people say this isn't competitive even with just the agents who are like I got my guy more money it was $100,000 more but yes you did get him more money uh, you know, as we've joked for years Gregs, I'd like to just have the point yeah. point one, <laughs> point seven point whatever just give me the point they're not gonna miss it 208 million dollars for patrick mahomes let him have it just give me the point one and 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 i'll be happy yeah it's crazy those numbers are just like it's funny money you talk about those numbers you're like this isn't real right these guys aren't actually making this much money oh yeah they are but we've talked about it before quarterbacks in the nfl that's that's the king i mean that's the position that has to be paid that's what runs the show that's what gets the points that's what gets the endorsements i mean you can see why they're paying them so much and you called it too, like Mahomes was quickly going to be the top dog again after all these other ones restructured and came out. And sure enough, here he is. I saw that last night. I was reading it. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's back on top. That sounds about right. Go go for it. Good job by the agent. <laughs> I mean, it's well-deserved. And, and I don't think anyone, including the Chiefs, can argue with the fact that Patrick Mahomes has produced the best results of any quarterback in the NFL in the last five years. He should be the highest paid quarterback. So, you know, good on the Chiefs for making that happen. Both sides are happy. Um, now I think this quarterback market that we've been talking about for the last year with all the quarterbacks that we just mentioned, Mahomes, Lamar, uh, Burrow, Herbert, Hurts, like their deals are done. I don't see anyone, unless I'm missing someone obvious, Griggs, coming up on the horizon. I mean, I guess if he keeps playing like he's playing now, whenever his contract comes up, Tua is going to be the guy that gets paid next. I don't know that he'll get paid more than Mahomes or even Lamar, but you know, I don't see a quarterback on the immediate horizon where you go, okay, that person is going to top Mahomes on the list. I think now it's going to settle down a little bit and, and Mahomes is going to be on the top of that list. Some sickening news in the NFL this week. If you watched Monday Night Football, you saw the injury to Nick Chubb, who has already had his knee torn up previously. It was a gruesome injury. Nick Chubb is such a good guy, such a hard worker, such a soft-spoken star in the NFL. Um, 
And, you know, you hate to see someone injured like that. And it looks like he's out for the season. You know, do the Browns go get Jonathan Taylor from the Colts or do they trade for another running back? They're kind of in win-now mode, just like the Jets, which we discussed last week with Aaron Rodgers. But, um, you know, that's going to be hard. But that's why these running backs want money and they want guaranteed money. Because on any play like that play, your career could end or, you know, at least you're out for a while. So as we've discussed for a long time on this show, and so our listeners understand, the only thing that's guaranteed with an NFL contract is the guaranteed money. So if you see someone sign a, you know, $300 million contract and 200 is guaranteed, 200 is what they're assured of getting. Um, the other 100 only happens if they play and they finish the duration of their contract. So very different than NBA contracts or Major League Baseball contracts. Although I will say, like the Burrow, the certainly the Deshaun Watson contract, um, and now Patrick Mahomes, like these quarterbacks are getting more guaranteed money than they've ever gotten before. It used to be like, you know, a fraction of the contract was guaranteed. Now it's three quarters of the contract is guaranteed, and, and that's the market. Will we ever see fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL? Probably not for a long time, but I think, you know, the players' union is certainly headed in that way, and you can argue very easily this is a barbaric sport. Um, you know, whether it's DeMar Hamlin or Nick Chubb or Aaron Rodgers, like your career can be over in a play. So, um, you know, get that money while you can. And I don't argue with that one bit, Greg. Yeah, I don't either. And I mean, you think about the running back position too. You're basically, you're getting hit every play. I mean, that's probably the only player that's really getting hit every single play. It's a car accident it's on every play. Every play. Like, that's the best way to describe it. It is. And it's like, you can see why they want the guaranteed money because they're literally going to get tackled every time they touch the ball, pretty much. And it's a violent game, like you said. And, uh, you know, sad to see him go down last night. Credit to the Steeler Nation. The fans were amazing. I mean, that's a, that's a crazy crowd that can be a little bit, you know, intense. They were yeah. all standing. They saw the injury. You could hear them gasp when they saw it. Oh, yeah. I'm just. Well, and credit to ESPN ABC for not, not showing, showing the replay. Yeah. I mean, it was gruesome. Yeah. There was no need for anyone to see that. No need for Nick Chubb's family or yeah. anyone to see that. So, you know, I hate when they show it over and over and over and you're just like, enough, yeah. stop. Yeah. So someone made the right decision last night to not show that gruesome injury and it was certainly the humane thing to do in my opinion yeah 100 percent. and i think uh they're doing that better now than they used to because i agree they used to show everything 100 times oh but God. now you can you could hear joe buck and and uh troy Aikman kind of pause you know yeah. someone's in their ear like we're not showing this so i, I right. think that's a great move and i thought that was well handled yeah and even joe buck said like we're not going to show the replay yeah. like it's he he alerted the audience like you're not going to see the replay of this because no one needs to no. see that. All right. Our next headline, also involving lots of money. Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker has been fired with cause from Michigan State University, or at least he's been informed that he's going to be fired with cause. Sexual harassment. I'm not going to go into the sordid details of what happened here, but it's completely inappropriate for a coach if it's true. Um, and... It's completely inappropriate in the workplace if it's true. And I will never understand why anyone who has a position like this, where you're 
you know, going into people's homes and telling their parents, I'm going to take good care of your son who's going to come play football for me. Why in the world would you set an example like this? Why in the world would you risk this money for doing stupid stuff like he's done? And most importantly, you know, why in the world would you treat a woman like this or any other human being like this where you would sexually harass them? So there will be lawyers, Griggs. But it's interesting, Mel Tucker signed a 10-year, $95 million deal. He's in year two of that deal. He has roughly $80 million left. So I guarantee you he's not going to walk away quietly and just go, okay, I made a mistake. I'll eat the $80 million. He's going to say, if you fire me, you're firing me and paying me out the $80 million, or more likely there's some sort of a settlement between Michigan State and Mel Tucker. But I think Michigan State's even going to fight that because they don't want to set the precedent that, you know, someone can do this in the future and still get paid any amount of money. And by the way, and I'm going to put Michigan State on blast here for a minute. After what happened with Dr. Larry Nasser, now we have stuff like this. Who in God's name is vetting these men that are being hired at Michigan State University? Who is allowing them to be around young people and have influence on young people. This is sickening stuff. I don't care if the president's head needs to roll, the athletic director, but there needs to be a better job of vetting Michigan State University. These types of things cannot continue to happen. And if they do, then you know what? The school should be made to pay out a bazillion dollars to anyone who's uh, affected by the predators that they hire at Michigan State University. So, you know, I don't know how many times this is going to need to happen at Michigan State University for someone to pay attention to this. But if this doesn't sound the full alarms, it, it should. Right, Greg? Oh, yeah. It's clearly an issue, especially at that university. And it's just crazy to me. I mean, these stories every year we have shows where we talk about the next guy that's done this, right? That's sexually harassed these women or kids or whatever and it's just like why does this keep happening and especially on these major stages like you said how do how do these people get hired and how do this the filth that's being allowed behind the scenes and you know a lot of times with these big names there's a group that's supporting them while they're doing it and that's even more sickening it's never just right. one person I mean, yeah it's like oh if you can win games then yeah. you don't care what you do Incredible. off the field of play or off the it's court. just not and, right and i'm sorry that stuff matters now i will say this Mel Tucker, you know, he's going to have his day in court, so to speak. I guarantee you he's going to fight this. Um, you know, have I seen the documents with my own two eyes? Just the letter of notice from Michigan State to Mel Tucker informing him they're going to fire him with cause. I can tell you this also. These universities have teams of lawyers, not a lawyer or two, teams of lawyers. They would not be sending him this letter notifying him that they're firing him with cause, meaning they won't pay out his $80 million unless they thought they had good legal ground to do this. So they're not just writing this as a scare tactic. This is no, we're letting you go and we're not paying you the final $80 million of your deal. By the way, we've talked about this too many times, more and more contracts, whether it's with coaches, athletes, celebrities, they include morality clauses. And in those clauses, if you do anything to harm the reputation of the brand or the company or university that you're working with, 
they can fire you with cause. You've brought negative publicity and you've stained their image and reputation. So the morality clause has been added to Nike and Adidas contracts and, you know, standard player contracts. And I would be really surprised if there's not something standard language in this Mel Tucker contract that says, look, if you do anything that brings uh, stain or embarrassment or bad PR to the uh, Michigan State University, we can fire you with cause. So we'll stay on top of this story, but come on, Michigan State, you guys got to get it together. You're too big of a university for this stuff to continue to happen. All right, Griggs, we've talked a lot in the last few weeks about Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. Well, the ratings came out this morning for their thrilling comeback victory against Colorado State that was at Boulder. This game, remember, on the East Coast ended at like 1.30 in the morning. Okay, so this is a night game. It's even late for old people like us on the West Coast. (laughs) 9.3 million viewers. It's the fifth most watched college football game ever in the history of ESPN. So Shatter's previous ESPN late night uh, prime window viewership highs. So as far as the late night window, this is the most watched game on ESPN ever. Fifth highest rated college football game ever on ESPN. The impact that Dion has, you saw last week, 60 Minutes was there. First Take was there. Fox was there. Um, I mean, everyone was there. Dion is wearing the shades. And uh, what is it? Blenders, eyewear. They're not a sponsor of ours, but I'll give them a little plug. Um, You know, they made, I think their glasses sell for $67, which is pretty reasonable. And I mean, they literally made, you know, over a million dollars in a 24-hour period because everyone's going out and buying the blenders I wear, the Dion and the Rock and the, you know, all the broadcasters were wearing. I mean, it was just brilliant. Dion gave them out to the team. Um, so, Griggs, now Colorado's headed to Autzen to play your Ducks this Saturday. I would imagine that's a 12:30 West Coast game. I would imagine that's going to get bonkers ratings as well. But like right now, Deion Sanders is the goose that lays the golden egg yeah. for anyone that he touches, whether it's the TV networks, uh, blenders, eyewear, uh, donors are donating record amounts of money to Colorado's athletic department. Uh, players are getting exposure like they never have before. His son is the leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy. Like anything that Dion touches, Turns to gold. He was on 60 Minutes with our friend John Wartime uh, this Sunday. John asked him, who's the best coach in America right now, college football coach? And he said, can you find me a mirror? (laughs) I mean, this guy has, he has it all. He has the charisma. He obviously is a leader of of men. Um, So, you know, another big week for Colorado. Prime is living up to his name, right? I mean, he is just delivering on all fronts, like you said. I mean, it. You know, I, I was looking back at a game last year in Colorado, in Boulder, and there's like crickets. Nobody's there. This year, it's a madhouse in Boulder. I mean, it's just the just from one season to the next with Prime there, and it's just crazy. It's it's must-watch TV. I'm excited. We uh, have a home game at Autzen. Hopefully, that helps the Ducks, but it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I've said forever on this show, we live in a copycat world. How many university presidents now are going to say, oh, look at how fast Dion turned this around. Look at how fast... 
the donor money is coming in. Look at how fast all these players hit the transfer portal. Look at how fast they're setting record ratings on TV. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? This is not easy stuff that Dion is doing. He's making it look easy. It's been a pretty quick turnaround. They're undefeated so far. This is not easy. You're not going to go find a Deion Sanders to turn your program around. They don't grow on trees. Uh, this is why, you know, kudos to Colorado for bringing Dion in, taking a risk on him. They'd never paid a coach this amount of money before, but they're like, okay, we know you've never coached at the D1 level, but we have faith that you're going to have a huge impact on our program. And, I mean, Lil Wayne's bringing him out of the tunnel. <laughs> the Rock is there. Kawhi Leonard was there. I mean, like you said, Griggs, last year it was crickets. These people would have been nowhere near a Colorado mm-hmm. football game. Now it's like the hip-hop happening <laughs> place to be. All right, our next headline, and this is kind of breaking news. It's supposed to develop later in the week. The XFL and the USFL are close to an agreement to merge. So they would, according to reports, become 50-50 partners. Griggs, I think this makes all the sense in the world. It's ridiculous to have two competing leagues who aren't the NFL, who aren't, you know, just swimming in money, even though I know The Rock is behind the XFL and he's got a lot of money. But, like, it just makes more sense to have one really strong summer football league and combine those resources and combine the TV deals and combine the players. Like, it all adds up to a stronger league versus something more diluted when you have two leagues. So I think this is a really smart move, and I think it's going to make this league more valuable, and it'll be taken more seriously, and there's a better chance probably that some of these players and coaches will get NFL jobs at some point. So uh, wasn't shocked to see this story. Thought it's pretty smart. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. I think NFL is obviously going to be the king forever, but uh, yeah, why have two different leagues that are never going to be you know, the top of NFL? Let's combine them make it at least a little stronger. And I agree, you're going to have better TV deals. You're going to be able to just uh, market it better. You're going to have them together. I think it's a, it's a no-brainer, and I think it could be a nice secondary you know, NFL-type league for the summer. So I, th- I think it's great. All right, next week, Griggs and I are going to be in Las Vegas. The Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo. Our guest, Kerry Bubbles, who is the president of the Stanley Cup champion Las Vegas Golden Knights. He's worked previously as the president of the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron was with the team, a very seasoned sports executive, uh, you know, obviously made a huge impact in Las Vegas in a very short amount of time getting that Stanley Cup. And, and just they've become a model organization with how they do things, their game ops, their ticket sales, their branding and marketing, like it's a brilliant organization. So. You know, like we've been able to do with the Golden State Warriors and the Tampa Bay Lightning and UCLA and Duke basketball. Like, we're going to peek under the hood of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Kerry uh, is going to join me in front of a decent-sized studio audience. Uh, we're going to have some students from UNLV in attendance. We're going to have some invited guests from Boingo in attendance. But, you know, we always look forward to these road shows. So we had Greg Maffei on a couple of weeks ago, who's the head of Liberty Media. They're uh, the holding company for F1. And he was telling us about the big race that's coming up in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Grand Prix. So, Griggs, we're going to get to see the streets. We're going to get to see, you know, I've heard when you walk down the strip, you can see the bleachers and the seating and 
you know, the new pavement and all of that stuff. So we're going to get a little bit of a preview. So follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. You might see some video from us. You know, Griggs did some really good uh, videos when we were in L.A. at oh, Cantor's yeah. Galley uh, and in front of uh, Price is right. Television City. Yeah, Price is Right. So. You never know. Briggs is kind of our go-to with uh, Instagram videos when we're traveling for the road shows. So pay attention to us at Sports Business Radio on Instagram, at Sports Business Radio on Threads, at SB Radio on Twitter. Also a reminder, please rate and review our podcast. We love it when you take a few seconds to rate and review our podcast. If you love our podcast, give it a follow. Share episodes with friends. Uh, you know, we say all the time, these are like master classes. And today with Michael Lombardi, this is yet another master class. You want to know someone who understands the NFL at a level that most of us don't, who's what I would call a football savant. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Michael Lombardi. So Griggs, uh, we'll see you at the airport next week, but looking forward to heading to Las Vegas and uh, hopefully, I don't want to give away our location, but let's just say Hopefully the uh, cyber attacks (laughs) will be dealt with by the time that we get there and we won't be like locked out of a hotel or, um, you know, entering chaos in Las Vegas. We'll be posting up at the F1 bleachers uh, and sleeping on the bleachers. (laughs) No, if we're sleeping outside anywhere, we're going to one of those large pools somewhere (laughs) and we'll sit by the pool, like get a a little towel out and sleep on that as the pillow. And, you know, we'll... We'll be locked out of every hotel room in Vegas because of the cyber attacks, and you can't get into the room, so you we, just have to sleep by the the pool. We can adapt. We're good at uh, traveling together, and uh, you know, we we go, roll with the punches. We have a lot of fun. Looking forward to Vegas. We haven't done a road show there yet, so I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, the sphere in action at night. So that'll be fun to see too. Yeah, it's really something to see. I mean, you know, there's a lot of bright lights in Vegas, but this thing <laughs> is like at a, a brightness that yeah. pales. You know, it, it's just so much brighter than everyone else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And I just am always in awe when I see the Vegas landscape. Now, I've been going there for, God, 40 years. And to see what it was 40 years ago and see what it is now, it's just incredible how yeah. it's grown. And a reminder to everyone, including ourselves, Vegas doesn't build all these structures because they're losing money. So anyone who goes to Vegas and thinks, I'm going to bring Vegas. I am going to bring them to their knees. I'm going to win all the money. Probably not the best attitude to go to Vegas with. Like, I always go with a set budget. I'm ready to lose that money. It's like entertainment expenses. Yeah. And once you lose the money, you walk away. You don't keep going back to the ATM. But the good news is, Greg, it sounds like all the ATMs are down there (laughs) because of the cyber hacks. So it's probably uh, helping a lot of the gamblers who would be going back to get more money to lose. Right. They can't get to the ATM. So uh, it probably helps them. It's like an intervention. Yeah, it is. It's whatever money you bring with you and that's it because you can't get more. (laughs) Exactly. I know. I'm like, could I bring a wad of cash for checking into our hotel (laughs) if they don't take a credit card? Are we going to have to pay cash for the room? Making it rain. (laughs) Exactly. Like this is back... Remember when they had the credit card and it wasn't the computer? It was like the little slide strip. It was like, yep. Yeah. Like at the gas station or whatever, you'd be sitting in your car (laughs) and they'd bring you the little, the carbon paper. Yeah. The carbon (laughs) paper. You got like the carbon paper. Like, are we going back to that? I think we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. All right. So we'll be in Vegas next week. We'll post the show. 
soon after the interview and just excited to be in front of a studio audience. All right, coming up next, Michael Lombardi, author of the new book, Football Done Right, Football Savant. This guy, his book, I think, breaks down the evolution of the NFL better than any book that I've read. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, Brian Berger here from Sports Business Radio. Underdog Fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio and the fastest growing fantasy app. Underdog is a variety of daily and season-long fantasy games that you can play. Best Ball Mania has $15 million in pool prize money, and first place wins $3 million. You can play as many entries as you want, and once you draft your team, you sit back and enjoy. No lineup changes needed, and Underdog pulls your best performers and gives you those points. You never have to worry about leaving the wrong player on the bench again. Greg's and I will have our teams drafted for the upcoming NFL season, and this is a great way to enjoy all the upside of fantasy football without having to worry about maintaining your lineup each week. For daily fantasy, I love playing Pick'em and Rivals. With Pick'em, if I get five picks right, I can win 20 times my money. It's a fun way to do over-unders on player stats as well as pit players against each other. We've got a special offer for sports business radio listeners. New users get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR, like sports business radio. SBR is the code to use. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com or in your app store, and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. Also, Make sure to listen to my conversation on Sports Business Radio with Underdog Fantasy founder and co-CEO Jeremy Levine. He shares the unique story of how he founded Underdog Fantasy, and he has great insight into the future of daily fantasy and sports betting. Thanks to Underdog Fantasy for being the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Michael Lombardi, former general manager and three-time Super Bowl winning executive with the New England Patriots, San Francisco 49ers, Oakland Raiders, and Cleveland Browns. He's the host of the GM Shuffle podcast, the author of the Daily Coach newsletter. He's also the author of the new book, Football Done Right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. Michael, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you having me. You are a busy guy. I mean, I just read off all the things that you're doing. I don't know how you had time to write a book, but <laughs> what do you want people to take away from this new book that you just wrote? You know, I get asked that quite a bit. I think what I would like to have is an appreciation of the past. I think some of the people that have done incredible work on the league, not not me, but other people that have made this league its foundation, I think to have a better sense of appreciation and not look at them as just some, you know, relic in an old history book, you know, they really devoted their lives to this league. And, you know, oftentimes as I write about, you know, when a president first leaves office, a lot of it is determined by his popularity, right? You know, and if he's not popular, he's a bad president. If he's popular, he's a great one. Then when we analyze it through the time, so this book kind of takes us through an analyzation of some of those people and how they have withstood the test of time and need to be appreciated. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love how you kind of laid out the evolution of the NFL. And, you know, there's a lot of fans today that may not be familiar with the Paul Browns and the Vince Lombardis and um, even Bill Wall. 
And mm-hmm. I thought you did an amazing job of kind of laying out the evolution of offense, defense, and kind of just how far we've come with the NFL. Yeah, because it wasn't invented yesterday. You know, the plays they ran yesterday were invented a long time ago by people. And we owe them a, a debt of gratitude. And I think Paul Brown particularly, because when these coaches go deposit that, that, that seven-figure check weekly into their bank account, they owe it to him because we wouldn't have a profession until he made it one. It was a part-time job. And that allowed it to become the entertainment business. You know, people always complain about football players or athletes making too much money. Well, that's because they're, they're entertainers. They're not sports figures. They're entertainers. Nobody complains about what Bruce Springsteen makes but because he's an entertainer. But these guys are too, right? So I, I, I think that they allowed this to transform itself into the entertainment profession, and that's what they do. And these coaches get paid because of that. I mean, it's really interesting you bring that up. I saw news today. Katy Perry, the singer, sold her catalog for $225 million. Wow. Shortly after that, the news comes out about Patrick Mahomes' restructured contract. And, you know, it's roughly the same amount of money over, I think it's a three or four year period that they restructured. But you're, it's a great point you make because these are entertainers. It's, it's the same, you know, tens of millions of dollars, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Katy Perry. It's the same. The difference is most people think they can do what Patrick Mahomes could do. And so they don't understand why he makes so much money. None of us think we can do what Katie Perry can do, you know? <laughs> so we don't ever think about that. You know, Springsteen, like, I, I can't play the guitar. I can't sing. So let him make as much money as he can. But I could throw a baseball. I can hit, I can hit a bat. You know, I play Little League. So why should I make baseball money? You know, it's the, it's the difference. Whereas I think if you lump it into the entertainment profession, I mean, the fact that she sold her catalog for 225 is remarkable. You know, considering that Dylan sold his for 400, Springsteen, alleged, these alleged numbers, sold his for 600. I mean, this is serious coin in this selling your catalog, which I think they all have to do now because of the tax laws and all those things that involve. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure Beethoven would have liked to sold his catalog too. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, all right. In chapter four of the book, you rank the top 10 coaches of all time. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, God, this is a really hard thing to do. But I thought you actually did a really great job with it. How did you come up with the criteria to rank these coaches? I wanted to put, you know, I wanted to have a blend because, you know, you could easily say Curly Lambeau, you know, he was winning games when he just stood on the sideline. Well, Curly Lambeau was instrumental in developing this league and he has over 200 wins when the game was really hard and and he had two great quarterbacks made a trade uh you know traded one to the giants and was the single wing so uh i kind of started with how do i like anything you build you start with a lot of names and then you whittle down if you don't have a criteria you know people think scouting or finding talent is about Search the FBI opens the phone book up and they find serial killers. No, they have a profile. They have a portfolio. They have a profile of what is happening, and that's kind of what I did. And I wanted to, you know, I, I many people thought because of my friendship and and relationship with Bill Belichick that I would make him number one. But I thought, you know, it's it would have been easy to make it because he's you know he's won six Super Bowls in a cap era. That's almost impossible. However. 
you know, I think without Brown, none of us would be where we are today. I wouldn't have been in personnel. He wouldn't have been in coaching. So to me, the more I dug into their backgrounds, the more it became pretty clear he had to be the best. He had to be the greatest of all time. And it wasn't just about winning. Because Shula would be one then. But you say, well, why was Shula eight? Well, Shula went four years with Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Marino and didn't make the playoffs. That's not good. Yeah, I really thought, I mean, when I was reading your list, I was like, all right, Bill Belichick or Bill Wall, they're going to be number one on this list for sure. And, and I was surprised that they weren't. Yeah, I, the guy that I really struggled with a lot, and I, he finished fourth, was Gibbs. Because Gibbs was, was, is, was sensational. The fact he took that team to Dallas with strike players on Monday night and won a game down there without, with, with Dallas's players crossing the picket line, might be one of the greatest coaching achievements of all time. And, you know, his ability to develop what he did in Washington was incredible, but you know, he didn't really split, you know, I wish he would have coached longer. And I think he certainly deserved to be in the top five for sure. Okay. You also had your top 100 players. Um, and again, that's got to be really hard. You could probably come up with roughly the 100, but putting them in order, I would imagine would be pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, Tom Brady's number one. I don't think anyone's yeah. going to argue with that. I don't think you could. You know, what made it easier for me, Brian, was to put him in the cattle, put him in the sections, right? Mm -hmm. So again, if you're in the top 100, you're in, you're in a pretty high category, but I wanted to break it up into those five categories that all begin with the letter E to let people know that Dion's right, that everybody's gold jacket's just a little bit different. There is a, there is a velvet rope to the Hall of Fame. You know, and, and it takes a lot, you know, you might get in the hall of fame because for a lot of catches or touchdowns, but there's another level that there's different. And so I wanted to kind of, I wanted to, I wanted to do that within the top 100. Now, hopefully I, I did that. I, I felt like I started with 150 names. I left some players off that probably should have been there. Steve Van Buren being one of them, Terrell Owens. You know, but I didn't want it to be heavy on running backs, heavy on receivers. I wanted it to be a full blend of the of the league. Yeah, I thought it was a great list. One of the chapters of your book that interested me the most was chapter five on television. Yeah, and you that was my about, favorite chapter to write. All right, okay, so that's really cool because that's what resonated with me. I mean, obviously, this is sports business radio, so I, I find the history that you outlined in that chapter really fascinating. And you talked about Howard Cosell, Brett Musburger, and John Madden, and how they changed how we watched the NFL on TV, our interest, our knowledge. Um, they brought it into our living rooms. I just thought it was a really well-done chapter and, and kind of an unexpected chapter in the book. How did you come up with that chapter? Well, because the, the premise of the book is really, you know, the history of the league and the franchises are worth Washington just sold for over $6 billion, right? How did we get here? And because it's through my eyes, it's since it's through my eyes that I wrote this book, I was influenced by Brett. I was influenced by Howard Cosell. So they had to be part of it. I mean, Monday nights for me were everything because I grew up a Washington Redskin fan. I wanted to know, I wanted to wait up for Howard's highlights. I didn't know what uniform they wore. I mean, I wanted to sneak past my parents' bedroom to see it. And I was, 
he was tremendously influential. That music of Monday night yeah. would send chills down my spine. So I knew it was important. I knew that had to be in there. And when the, when he, my father and I, I, I love, but my father bought this, the Sinatra, the main event record. And when Cosell's on the beginning of that, live from New York, you know, the city that doesn't sleep, you know, when he goes into that montage and you realize that he's on TV, that he's doing football, the power, the, 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 the influence that he had, if the Kardashians were our influential, Howard was even more so without social media, you know? And so to me, that raised the level. And then Brent ability to intertwine the gambling into it when it was supposed to be so hush hush mm-hmm. was brilliant and that half hour of television was part of my life those yeah. half hours i mean i you know that was the music played and it was so important so it had to be in there like i couldn't have written this book to me the way i thought about this book or i thought of it like an album i wanted all the songs to connect but I, they, I wanted some fast songs and I wanted some slow songs. I, you know, I wanted it, but I wanted at the end of the day, I want the reader to say, I get it. It all connects. It, like, it's not a theme album, but they all connect. Well, and I thought it was so important because you're talking about the history of the league and the NFL is making $12.3 billion just this year from their media rights. So, you know, if you look at Cosell, and Musburger and Madden, they're a big part of America's interest in the NFL on TV. And it's a big reason you see these salaries, like we just said, with Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, TV is really, I think, at the foundation of the league now as far as the revenues. Right. How are they not in the Hall of Fame, right? How are those guys not in the Hall of Fame? I mean, how are they not recognized in appreciation? For what they did. I mean, I don't think, and I hope people realize, you know, this era that we live in today, but there was a time when Howard came on TV, that bowling leagues were the most popular thing in America on Monday night. Nobody remembers that. I mean, I live in this little beach town. It's seven miles long, one mile wide. We go from 150,000 people to, in the summertime, to 10 in the winter. We had three bowling alleys in this town. With 10,000 people living here year round. We had three bowling alleys. Wow. You know, that's how that's how popular the sport was. Yeah. You know, and Monday night was bowling night. You know, I mean, everybody had a bowling jacket. I mean, it wasn't just because Howard Cunningham on Happy Days had a bowling. Everybody had one, right? <laughs> and so uh, I, uh, I was, I had to talk about it. And people don't realize that what that did for the league was remarkable. What it did for Miller Brewing Company. Miller right. Brewing is a regional, a regional brewing company and it exploded into this unbelievable thing. So I, I, I felt like it really, and, and I'm going to keep pushing to get those guys in the hall. I mean, Madden's there for his coaching. Right. He could be there for his broadcasting alone. Absolutely. You know, and, and I mean, it should be, like you said. It should be. If he didn't coach it down, he should have been in there for his broadcasting. And so should Cassell. It's, it's an injustice that he's not. It really is. Neither gentleman. Cosell or Musburger won a Pete Rosell Award. Yeah, it makes no sense because, you know, like you said, uh, I'm 54. And whenever Howard Cosell came on when I was much younger and Brent Musburger came on later, like you knew this was a big event. I don't care if it was Monday Night Football, the NBA Finals, the Muhammad Ali fight, like 
it was a big deal. You had to stop what you were doing and watch them. And yeah, they were so influential with sports casting. And again, the growth of these leagues, it is an injustice that they're not in the hall at this point. Think about this, though. How did most musicians become musicians? Well, if you ask a lot of them, they say Springsteen, Billy Joel. I saw Elvis on, on Ed Sullivan. I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and I wanted to do that. I mean, think about that, right? That, that's the power of that motivated you to want that motivated them. And I'm, and I'm not, I'm, there's a lot of other ones that I'm, I didn't include. It's the same thing with Howard. I mean, he, people wanted to watch the game. The switchboard at ABC lit up when the games came on. 50% hated Cosell, 50% right. loved them. But what, to me, the other point I wanted to make about that is we need our announcers to start saying something. To stop, to stop saying everything's great. Like, like be critical. It, as, as Cosell would say, if you see it, say it. No, it's, it's absolutely right. And, you know, I'm not going to say that they're not appreciative of the, the founding fathers beforehand, but you don't hear that same cry that you do for athletes who aren't in the Hall of Fame in their respective sports. And, and again, you could argue that Cosell and Musburger, even though they didn't play, um, they had a huge impact on the game as it is today. So again, chapter five of your book, I thought was really well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and to me, the other thing is, I think what we have to understand about what those, those guys did, uh, is they put a lot of money in the owner's pockets because of the value of the franchises, right. Have gone up because of those TV rights and, you know, and, and I don't think you could ignore that. I don't think you could ever ignore that. The popularity it became, look, Howard owned the rights to Saturday Night Live. That's how big he was. He had his own show. He gave Saturday Night Live to NBC when his show got canceled. And they were just called Saturday Night. And then it became Saturday Night Live because Howard gave it to him. I did not know that. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's how powerful, that's how big he was. Yeah. People don't realize how big he was, you know, and he was... He was smooth. He said things. He, you know, I mean, it, it, and look, it's a shame. And I, and I hope those people that read this book appreciate them and, and want to go learn more about them. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. There's nothing common about you. Not your talent, your drive, your achievements, or even your challenges. You need distinctive financial strategies that match your lifestyle and career trajectory. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment was created to address your specific needs at every stage of your career and deliver the financial education and strategies you need to help advance your game plan. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. That's morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Now back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right. So two weeks ago, I had Emmett Smith on this show and we talked about the role of the running back now compared to when he played. And yeah. obviously that's changed drastically. He thinks at some point it'll swing back and running backs will be more involved than they are right now. You write about evolutions in your book. What's the next evolution? Two quarterbacks at the same time. Seriously. 
go back to the single wing. Wow. Yeah. So give me an example of a team that's the Sean Watson or Lamar Jackson of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. You get a guy like Lamar that's a halfback that can run with it and throw it. And he's behind Lamar. How do you handle that? Wow. How do you handle that's a single wing? Yeah. That's the single wing. And and how do you handle that? He can throw it, he can run it. You know, he can, you know, he might play quarterback. Lamar might play outside. You know, Lamar might play receiver. You just it it, it, it we're headed for positionless football. We're headed for positionless football. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, we're kind of there already in the NBA. I look at the NBA yeah. and I see how they play small ball lineups and, and things like that. So it doesn't seem that crazy what you're suggesting. No, because we're basketball on grass. Remember, we are basketball on grass. We learn more from watching basketball, how they match up. One of the things I learned about it, when I was at the Browns, Belichick and I, we went to a game and we sat behind the, 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 the Bulls bench and, and there's Phil Jackson. And I learned a lot that day. So Phil, I, you know, had kept in Jordan and he would substitute without substituting. So he would take Jordan, who might have been playing two, and move him to three, and take Pippen, who might have been playing four, move him to one. Meanwhile, Lenny Wilkins down the hall, down the bench, he's substituting guys in, right? Right. And as soon as he substituted somebody in, Bill whistled with his, you know, how he used to whistle like that. And then he'd move him around again. It was like a Rubik's Cube. Lenny was always a day late and a dollar short, you know? And so I'm like, ah, that's the way to do it. New England had that with Gronk and Hernandez. Yeah. They had two tight ends that you had to match up to, but they didn't really, they, if you played base against them, they threw it. If you played nickel against them, they ran the ball effectively. So what, what I think the game is going to is we have to be able to change positions all the time. That's what San Francisco does. It's the hardest thing to do. You, you get ready to play San Francisco and Einstein has five levels of intelligence. Okay. Einstein and the number one level of intelligence for Einstein is simple. That's number one. That's the highest level of intelligence. Someone who can take complex and make it simple. And so when you're getting ready to play San Francisco and they take McCaffrey and move him from the running back position to the slot receiver, and they take Debo Samuel, move him from the slot to running back. Pretty simple, right? Oh, that's just entertaining. For the defense, what do they do? If they're in man coverage, Who's covering the running back in the backfield? The corner? Does he stand over here? Where does he align? Who's got him? Do you put a linebacker on him? You can't do that. So it's simple for San Francisco. It challenges all these rules for, for the, the defense. That's where we're headed. And because Devo and, and McCaffrey can really interchange, they mm -hmm. both can run the ball and they both can catch it. It's it's hard. If I put if I put Saquon Barkley, if I put him in the slot, nobody, I, nobody's going to be as worried about him as a receiver because he's really a runner. So it doesn't, whereas if I was a young, if I was a father that had a son who was a running back, I'm saying, go play receiver for a while and then come back and play running back. Right. Okay. So if we're headed towards two quarterbacks, quarterbacks, as we discussed with Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Justin Herbert, all new contracts recently. They are paid at a premium more than any other position in football. If you're going with two quarterbacks, do you have to pay premium for both quarterbacks? No, that's where I think you cut the cost. 
I think you cut the cost. You can really get a guy that can, you have both. It becomes, you, now you split it. One guy may not be as great as the other. And, you know, you have, you have two guys that are, that add up to one. It disproves the Madden theory. When you have two of something, you have nothing. But it might be when you have two of something, you have something. So what would you do? I mean, I'm just going to use this as a poor example, probably. But like, you've got Aaron Rodgers when he's healthy. And you've got Zach Wilson. Zach right. Wilson, but obviously, seems, much more mobile. Yeah. And do you need but to I have the play, same? Yeah, I wouldn't play those. It, that, it would be more if I had Deshaun Watson. Okay. Uh, or if I had Lamar. Or if I, like, if I have Justin Herbert, okay, I'm fine. I got a quarterback who could throw from the pocket. I'm great. Mm-hmm. But if I have somebody else that maybe isn't as effective, maybe I need to move things around and create some positionless things where I can function as an offense. We've seen a little bit of it. Ray Lucas, when he played for the Jets, did this. I mean, they Parcells would do a little. It's really the single way. Interesting. All right. I know we've got a few minutes left. Um, you've worked in championship caliber front offices. Obviously, analytics is used more now than it's ever been before. What's the evolution of the front office? Like, what's the everyone's always looking for an advantage? Yeah. What's the what's the data and analytics that are going to give me an advantage? What's next there? You think? I think the the person that can bring practical analytics to the table, because. You have to be able to apply the the analytics to the to the game today. So if we're playing a team that has JJ Watt playing over here on our right side, let's call him the left end, and our right tackle is not any good, we can't line up in eleven personnel and let that tackle block them. Even though analytics says we should be in eleven to throw the ball, no, not we might be, but we have to be in eleven where we have double teaming him. So you got to have somebody that can practically take the analytics and apply it, you know, and we see it all the time. I mean, you know, that there's too many people that are using analytics and not applying it to the game. They got to, it's got, every game's a different game. It's, and so chess, you know, they go back and look at those chess moves from a hundred years ago. They break them down, but who's the opponent and how are they playing and style of play? I think that's what's going to make the most out of analytics. I really do. Because to, to judge talent, you still have to judge the heart of the player. And that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. Who uses analytics the best in the NFL right now, in your opinion? Well, I, you know, I think New England does a good job of it because I was there and I saw them and they, it's applied analytics. It isn't just, okay, let's go for two here. You know, like just like randomly, I think to me, it's how I think Vrabel uses analytics. I think the Chargers, for example, I don't think they claim they use analytics, but if you're using analytics and you get the ball back with two minutes and 22 seconds left to go in a game that you're down by three points and you only run eight plays and you had three timeouts plus a two minute warning, are you really using analytics? Are you really, if you're letting 25 seconds go off the clock between plays, and you end up at the end of the game with one extra timeout, are you really using analytics? The guy in the booth might say, hey, don't call a timeout here, but he's never really run a team before and run a game. Right. I mean, you know, it's great. It looks great on your paper, but we just, we had, we had, we had the tight, the Chargers had the ball this week with 51 seconds left to go in the game. 
and third, they still had three timeouts and they had the ball at the Tennessee 14 yard line. They ran three plays. Hmm. How is that possible? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. When you look at a play clock on the two minute drill tonight, you watch the game and they're in the two minute drill. Never the, 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 the time on the clock is insignificant. It's how many plays do I have and how many can I get? Right. That's the most important thing. We have first and goal, first and 10 at the 14. The maximum number of plays we have left are eight. Hmm. So we got to manage the game to give us those eight plays. Right. Right. Just a couple, yeah, just a couple more questions. Because again, I'm so interested in your, your experience. Um, you see teams like Denver with Sean Payton, Seattle with Pete Carroll, obviously New England with Bill Belichick. Basically, those are coaches, but they're in charge of the whole operation. The buck right. stops with them. If you're one of these owners now and you pay $6 billion for an NFL team, do I want that set up and structure? Or would you rather have a structure where the coach is coaching, the GM is GMing, and, and the analytics people are doing their thing? And, uh, you know, obviously yeah. people are working in concert, but there's yeah, not but the buck stops here guy. I think you have to have, I think the Eagles do a good job of that, uh, of being able to be in a collaborative way, but the buck stops with the owner through Howie. I, I think you need it. I, I don't think you can be the Dave Clark five. I, I think you've got to have one Supreme commander. And I really believe this. And I say this all the time on my podcast, on my show, they've never dedicated a monument to a committee. Like there's right. no committees. You can't have a committee. Somebody's got to be the ultimate decision maker. Now that person you put in charge has to be really good at listening and taking information. I never felt like Bill Walsh should make a bad decision. I felt like I could give him bad information. Yeah. I love your book. Uh, everyone go out and get football done right. It's available in bookstores everywhere and amazon.com. Michael's podcast, The GM Shuffle, is great. Sign up for the Daily Coach newsletter. I get that as well, and it's fantastic. Thank you. Michael Lombardi, thank you so much for uh, this is such an interesting conversation because I feel like, you know, there's people that see around corners, as they say. I, I, I really think you're one of those people that sees where things are going. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's really appreciate you having me. Thank you for reading my book. Appreciate you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, -end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. 
they're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.